بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد وصلی اللہ رسول القریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا سیونٹینتھ آف فیبروری ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور الحمد للہ of the illustrious company, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu and I've reached a point where he's finally embraced the glorious faith and like I mentioned his age around that time was 62 years. Thus subhanallah finally ended the first third of Sayyidina Amr's exalted life and thus now began the second most glorious phase. And the reason I say that is because Amr radiyallahu he split his blessed life into three parts. So this was the end of the first third of his blessed life. And now he's entered the most glorious phase. So in the report, in Behaki and Ibn Katir Sira volume 3, page 3 to 1 of the English translation, Sayyidina Amr himself said radiyallahu, The king called for someone to bring a wash basin and the blood was washed from me and he presented me with garments in which to clothe. My own clothing was soaked with blood and I cast it aside. So stop in the report. So look how touching. The sneaker struck him yesterday which I mentioned the reason and he caused his nose to bleed and the blood went on his clothing. Now, when he's embraced Islam, Najashi, Rahmatullahi, he made arrangements for him to clean himself. He gave him a wash basin and also clothing to wear. And then he says, I cast my blood-soaked clothing to one side. And the scholars point out, note the beautiful metaphor. The blood-stained garments of unbelief are cast aside to now don the pure garments of Iman. <laughs> The report continues. I thereupon went out to my comrades and when they saw the garments from An-Najashi, they were delighted. They asked, did you receive what you wanted from your friend? I responded, I was reluctant to talk about it with him on this first occasion. I therefore told him I would return. We agree with this came the response. So stop in the report. So he's had a one-to-one with the king and the unbelieving comrades of his, they're not the wiser. But they see him with new clothing, so they think, oh, it looks like he's gone well. But Amr very, you know, intelligently said, I was reluctant to talk to him this time. I'll talk to him later. And he goes, fine. Those I left them, as if I had something urgent to do and made my way where the boats were moored. <laughs> so he basically left them. He left, he you know, made that you know, quick exit and now he's heading back. Mm-hmm. I thereupon found one ship that was loaded and about to leave. I embarked with them and they sailed it to Al-Shu'aba where I went ashore carrying my wealth with me. I then brought a camel and headed for Al-Madinah, passing by Mar al-Zahran. Mm-hmm. 
So like I mentioned, his intention was to migrate to Abyssinia, so he's got his wealth. But now he's taken his wealth with him and gotten to the first ship to get out of Abyssinia. And he sailed back to the Arabian Peninsula. And then he said he brought a camel, or he bought a camel, sorry, and he headed now for Al-Madinah. So look how he's twitching. He's not going back to Mecca. He's gone to Abyssinia. He's embraced Islam. Now he gets back to the Arabian Peninsula. He buys a camel. He's heading to Al-Madinah. It is here that Sayyidina Amr radiyallahu faithfully and most memorably crossed paths with his dear friend and tribesman, the illustrious Sayyidina Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu. So again, you can say coincidence. But in reality, like I keep saying, there's no such thing as coincidence. He was intending to go to the Prophet but the reality was Allah wanted him to go with Khalid So let's see how this came about. So this report is recorded in Ibn Asakir, Tanzul Umal, Volume 7, page 30, Al-Bidayah, Volume 4, page 238, Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 1, page 288 to 292 of the New English Translation. So Khalid ibn Walid, so we're turning to him now, how he crossed paths with Amr. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa entered into a treaty with the Quraysh at Hudaybiyah. When the Quraysh managed to save their necks, I by opting for a treaty rather than a battle. Stop in the report. <laughs> so the sword of Allah, radiallahu, he also said the treaty of Hudaybiyah was, you know, the Quraysh had to sign into this to save their necks, meaning it was a get out of jail card for them. I then said to myself, what is left now? Where shall I now seek refuge? Should I go to Najashi? But he is already a follower of Muhammad and the companions are living peacefully with him. Should I go to Heraclius where I would have to abandon my religion for Christianity or Judaism and live with foreigners? Or should I stay at home with those now left here? So stopping the report. So he's in a dilemma. So Khalid bin Walid, he knows Najash is embraced Islam. So he goes, how can I go there? Because he's a Muslim. Shall I go to Heraclius? But then I'm not a Christian. Or shall I stay here now where the matter is becoming more difficult? I was still in this dilemma. When Rasulullah came to Makkah to perform the Ummah they had missed the previous year. So this is important. This internal struggle of Khalid had been going on for a year or so. So don't forget the treaty was signed. The companion's intention was to perform the Umrah, but they were prevented. Let's come back next year. So here Khalid said, I'm still in a dilemma. And the next thing I hear, the Prophet is coming to perform Umrah. So a year has passed. I thus made myself scarce and did not want to even see them enter Makkah, I and thus headed for the mountains. So Khalid thought, I'm not staying here. I don't want to see them performing Umrah. He goes, I'll just go to a secluded spot in the mountains. My brother, 
Walid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu also arrived in Makkah with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he searched for them. In another report, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa asked Walid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu Aynu Khalid ibn al-Walid Where is Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu This is recorded by Hafiz ibn al-Atif in his Asad al-Ghaba 5-423-4 So, like I mentioned, his brother had embraced Islam Al-Walid ibn al-Walid and Walid is looking for Khalid, he couldn't find him The Prophet asked, where is Khalid? He was unable to find me. Thus, he left a letter for me, which read. So look how touching. The Prophet has dictated a letter. Somebody had wrote it. And he wanted Khalid to receive this letter. He goes, the letter read. Bismillah rahman rahim In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the supremely merciful, the most kind. I have seen nothing more astonishing than the fight that someone as intelligent as you has not yet decided to embrace Islam. How can anyone remain in the dark about a religion as great as Islam? When Rasulullah asked where you were, I informed him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will soon bring you. He responded, how can a person like Khalid remain unaware of a religion like Islam? It would certainly be best for him to spend his efforts and energy with the Muslims. And we shall honor him by putting him ahead of others. Mm. Oh my brother, you have already missed tremendous opportunities. So please make amends. I, without further delay. So let's look at this. So the letter was written by his brother Al-Walid ibn Al-Walid radiyallahu and it was for Khalid so who actually gave the letter to Khalid Allah Ta'ala knows best but he reached it and what did the brother say in the letter he goes it's such a great religion is Islam and an intelligent man like you not embracing Islam he goes how strange is this he goes when Rasulullah asked about you I said soon Allah Ta'ala will bring him. So he actually told the Prophet it's not long now, Ya Rasulullah, my brother will come. And the Prophet said, how can a person like Khalid remain unaware of a religion like Islam? If he puts his energy into Islam, we will honor him ahead of others. Then the brother said, oh my brother, you've missed tremendous opportunities. Make amends now. After reading this letter, I was inspired to leave for Al-Madinah and my inclination towards Islam increased. Indeed, it pleased me to know that Rasulullah actually inquired about me. So what's happened? The letter reaches him after the Prophet has departed. So he's performed the Umrah. And they spent three days and they then told to leave. So he's returning to Al-Madinah. So when he's returning to Al-Madinah, Khalid has got the letter. And what did he say? He goes, My yearning now increased towards Islam. I was greatly pleased the Prophet asked about me. Then he said, Subhanallah, during this time, I had a dream that I was in a constricted and drought-stricken land after which I went to a land 
that was vast and fertile. This I thought was certainly a true dream. I thought I should definitely relate this dream to Abu Bakr when I reach Al-Madinah. Later when I related it, Abu Bakr said, Your leaving the place was the guidance Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you towards Islam. And the constricted place was the shirk you had been involved with. So stop with the report. So Allah has blessed him with a true dream. And in the dream, he's left like a barren, stricken land to a very fertile land. And who did he say he was going to go to? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was one of those who were well-versed in dream interpretation. And Abu Bakr told him, because you've left the shirk, you've entered Islam. In other words, Allah has honored you. When I had made my mind to leave for Rasulullah, I wondered who would accompany me. So what's interesting, Khalid bin Walid didn't want to go by himself to the Prophet So why? Why did he not want to go by himself? Maybe he wanted others who was of like mindset to go with him. So whatever the case, he said, I just approached Safwan ibn Umayyah and said to him, O Abu Wahab, do you not see the situation we find ourselves in? We are as few as the maulers in the mouth. Muhammad has dominated the Arabs and the non-Arabs. I therefore feel we should meet him and follow him, then his honor shall become ours. Safwan, however, vehemently rejected the offer and said, I shall never follow him even though I am the last person left alive. I left him and I said to myself, both his brother and father had been killed in the battle of Badr, i.e. and his uncle at Uhud. Thus he bears a, a huge grudge. <laughs> so what happened? So he's approached one of his friends, tribesmen, Safwan ibn Umayyah. And he told him as it was, he says, look, he goes, it's soon Makkah's going to fall. He goes, we need to go to the Prophet to embrace Islam. And Safwan, he goes, never. He goes, even if I'm the last person alive. So Khalid obviously explained. He goes, the reason was his brother Ali and his father Umayyah ibn Khalaf had been killed at Badr. So who are these two who were killed at Badr? So his father was caught as a prisoner of war, Umayyah ibn Khalaf. And when he was caught as a prisoner of war, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf took charge of him. And he said to Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, he goes, you will get a great ransom from me. He had his son with him. His son was also called, his name was Ali. Ali ibn Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Unfortunately for him, Bilal and Bilal was the one who had been tortured by Humayya ibn Khalaf. So he said, I will not live if he lives, meaning one of us has to die. So Abdul Rahman ibn Yaf, he said to Bilal to calm, but he wouldn't calm. The Ansar gathered. So then Abdul Rahman ibn Yaf told Umayyah ibn Khalaf, 
basically, I can't protect you. So Umayyah sent his son forward, Ali. Now what's tragic about this, Ali had been a Muslim. He'd come out on the unbelieving side and unfortunately, he'd lost his Iman. So when he was sent for, he was killed. So Ali was killed. Then Umayyah, Abdul Rahman ibn Uf tried to protect him. But he, in trying to protect him, Abdul Rahman ibn Uf was also struck accidentally. And then Umayyah was killed. So why have I mentioned that? Because this, all of that is in Sayyid Bukhari. I mentioned that because here, what does it say? When Khalid spoke to Safwan, Safwan was the son of that man. He said, I'll never embrace Islam. So Khalid said, his brother and father was killed at Badr. In other words, he's got a grudge. And his uncle was killed at Uhud. So who was his uncle? His uncle was Obey ibn Khalif. And he was that shaitan who said, I'm going to kill you, Muhammad. I fattened the horse. So the Prophet said, Inshallah, I'm going to kill you. Then he lost all bodily functions, right? So what happened? Battle of Uhud, the battle was lost and the Prophet still targeted him. And the shaitan was coming full pelt on horseback to get to the Prophet And the companions, the Prophet said, move out of the way. So they gave way and the Prophet had a spear. And he threw the spear and he grazed Obey. That's what he did, he grazed him. He fell off the horse. He goes, Muhammad has killed me, Muhammad has killed me. So they start saying, what are you talking about? You've got a scratch. He goes, no. He goes, he doesn't lie. And on the way back, he died. <laughs> so Khalid bin Walid said, Safwan's got a grudge. His brother has been killed at Badr. His father has been killed at Badr. His uncle at Uhud. Then Khalid said, I then met Ikrima, the son of Abu Jahl. I informed him of what I mentioned to Safwan. His response was similar to that of Safwan. I thereupon told him, keep this a secret. And he agreed not to breathe a word to anyone. So he went to Ikrim, another friend of his. And he told him, look, embrace Islam. It's the only way. He goes, no, I'm never going to embrace Islam. Why? His father, Abu Jahl, had been killed at Badr. But then... Khalid said, don't mention this. Because, you know, I don't want any trouble. So Ikrimah goes, fine. I won't tell anybody. But in another report, it mentions. So this is recorded by Hafiz Waqidi Rahmatullah in his Al-Maghazi, page 321. Abu Sufyan ibn Harb, he's heard from Ikrimah of Khalid's change of heart. He sent for both the stalwarts. When Khalid and Ikrimah stood before Abu Sufyan, the chief of the Quraysh, Abu Sufyan said in anger, Is it true what I have heard? So Khalid responded, What have you heard? Abu Sufyan said that you wish to join Muhammad. Is this true? So Khalid said, Yes. And why not? After all, Muhammad wasallam is one of us. He is our family. Abu Sufyan thereupon flew into a rage and threatened Khalid with dire consequences. But he was restrained by Ikrimah, who said, Your anger may well also lead me to join Muhammad. 
Khalid is indeed free to follow whatever religion he chooses. Subhanallah, Ikrimah, the nephew cousin of his bosom friend, had stood up for Khalid despite their diverging views. So this is an addition but recorded by Hafiz Waqidi in his Al-Maghazi. So what happened? Abu Safyan knew that if Khalid leaves, this is another nail in the coffin for him. So he, he threatened him. But Ikrimah protected him. He goes, if you can persist with this anger, I may join Muhammad. He goes, let him choose whatever religion he wants. So look how strange. He himself didn't embrace Islam, but he's protecting Khalid. They were cousins. Sikoyagi, they were cousins, and he was defending his cousin. So Khalid, he made, you know, noble intentions. He wanted Safwan to come with him. He blatantly said no. He wanted Ikrimah to come with him. He blatantly said no. So Khalid said, I returned home and I had my conveyance prepared, meaning I'm going to have to go myself. I thus rode out of the mother city and subhanallah, I met Uthman ibn Talha and I thought to myself, he is a good friend of mine. Perhaps I should inform him of what I am intending to do. So he thought, I'll go to Uthman radiallahu. But then I remembered that many of his family had been killed by the believers in battle who had been killed from his family. His father, his uncle and four brothers had all been killed at Uhud. So Khalid thought it would thus not be appropriate to mention it to him. However, it occurred to me that there was no harm in telling him since I was already on my way. So what happened? He was hesitant to approach Uthman ibn Talha. And obviously father, four brothers and uncle being killed in one battle. He goes, if Ikrimah responded just with the death of his father and Safwan, he goes, he's going to go even more ballistic. But then he thought, I'm already on my way. I can't be detained. So I'm going to tell him. I therefore spoke to him about the unfavorable results of our efforts. And I said, we are just like a fox in the hole who will have to emerge as soon as a bucket of water is thrown down the hole. I also informed him that I had mentioned this to my two friends early. Look how beautifully he hardly described this incident. He goes, we're like foxes in, a, in the well. So what does a fox do in a well? It's totally dependent upon somebody Hopefully he's going to go past, put the bucket in. The fox will enter, come out. So why did he describe the situation like that? He goes, we, because there's no way out. Because, because we are now at the mercy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Look what happened. Uthman ibn Talha immediately accepted what I said. Subhanallah. I then informed him I was leaving that very day. And my transport was ready and waiting at a place called Fudge. We then decided to meet at a place called Ya'ajaj, where I was to wait for him if I arrived first. Otherwise, he would wait for me if he arrived first. So what happened? They wanted to go. So Khalid said, look, we'll meet at a place called Fudge. But then we, they changed the, the area to Ya'ajaj. Because... 
whoever comes first, wait for the other. We then left our dwellings very early in the morning and met at Ya'ajaj before the break of dawn. We then proceeded together from there. And when we reached Al-Hadda, we met Amr ibn al-As. So, this is again the Qudrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No intention of meeting Amr. So Amr, they've all met at a place called Hadda. After he had welcomed us, and we had welcomed him, he asked us, where are you heading? We, however, cautiously asked him, what has brought you out of your dwelling? He refused to answer. And he repeated the question, because where are you heading? We thereupon looked at each other and said, we intend entering the fold of Islam and following Muhammad. He responded with joy. This is exactly what has brought me out. So So now why was the caution here? It's obviously he's the fox. He wants to know what's going on. So Khalid then thought, just tell him. And he goes, I'm going for the same reason. But there's another report. In Bukhari in his Tariqul Kabir 2-311, Ahmad in his Musnad number 17,323 or 4-198, Tabarani, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Katir Sira, volume 3, page 192-4 of the English translation, Tabri in his Tariq 2-146, Al-Isaba, page 553 of the New English translation, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 351, stated Sahih, Hayat Al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 286 of the New English translation. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Hassan in his Irwa Al-Ghalil number 1280. Amr ibn al-As, he said, On my way, I met Khalid ibn al-Walid. That was the time before the victory of Makkah. He was coming from Makkah. I asked him, Where are you heading, O father of Suleiman? He replied, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now it is a settled matter that the man وسلم, is indeed a prophet. I am thus going to embrace Islam. It should not be delayed any further. So now let's look at this. In this authentic report, there's no mention of Uthman. Uthman ibn Talha. So some ulama say that he wasn't with them. However, the other report mentions Uthman ibn Talha was clearly there. So the reason I pointed that out is because some narratives don't mention it. But these two were definitely together. And he said it's time to embrace Islam. Now another important point. It is important to point out here that Amr had by then already embraced Islam. A few weeks or a little over a month earlier. Thus he has this distinction over his two brothers. He didn't mention that. What were they saying? They were saying with their own testification, we're going to embrace Islam. Amr, did he say that? But he didn't want to hurt their feelings. In other words, I beat you to it. I've already embraced Islam at the hands of Najashi. So this is an honor for him, which the scholars point out. And we will continue from here tomorrow. So all I mentioned today was now where Amr ibn al-As he's left the blessed land of Abyssinia and he's headed back now 
to the holy city of the Prophet Another thing which is important, he was a well-traversed companion. If you look at his entire life, he traveled all over the place. He went to Abyssinia, he went to the Roman lands, he went to Egypt, he went to Libya, he went, to, and he's a very well-traversed person. And even in those early days of his embracing Islam, look what he is, he's in Abyssinia. Now he's going back to Al-Madinah, he's never been to Madinah. You know, how does he know where to go? And he's brought his wealth, and, and then somebody asked, which is a good question, what about those poor brothers he left in Abyssinia? <laughs> because we just leave him there. And the response is they can look after themselves. Hopefully they also embrace Islam. We elect it. He goes, I'm not staying with these people, right? Because they don't want it. And, and that's interesting. Why? Because he didn't even attempt to convince them to embrace Islam. And there must have been some great wisdom in why he thought that. But he left. And obviously they must have been grunting and groaning when they found out what really happened. Are there any questions you like to ask?